welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Ray Lloyd, and this is All The Things. So this is the second of four episodes that I am recording about the nervous system. So if you're just tuning in to this one, you might want to go back to the previous episode called WTF is the nervous system where I explain in a very simplistic and understandable way what is the nervous system, why it doesn't matter so much, particularly to people who are trying to heal from an autoimmune disease or PTSD or feel dysregulated or trying to just heal in general. The nervous system plays such an integral part of this and I think that If you're trying to achieve anything in life, it's very important to understand what the nervous system is. So listen to that, come back to this episode. But if you already listened to it, then I'm really excited to dive into the next topic, which is taking it a step further and really helping you understand on what I touched on very briefly in the first episode of this series of how does a dysregulated nervous system, how does trauma, how does PTSD and all of those kinds of suppressed emotions that of stuck energy in the body. How does that affect the immune system? How does that turn into an autoimmune disease? How does that affect you in general? And then I'm going to be diving particularly in in the next episode. So episode three will be particularly on how does a dysregulated nervous system affect your uh, relationship with food in terms of people who have disordered eating, eating disorders, binge eating disorders, stuff like that. Now I am not a therapist. I am not a mental health professional. I am not a eating disorder specialist. (laughs) None of those things. So I'm going to be only talking to you from the lens of someone who has um, experienced certain things in life and found ways to heal it. And I'm going to be offering you simply information. You can then digest it however you please and do with it what you'd like, but I am not going to be ever presuming to be speaking from a lens of this is how I can help you heal, but rather take this information and go help yourself heal or find someone that can help you heal. So I just want to like a little disclaimer there. Um, And then the last episode, again, coming from the same lens of just offering up different healing modalities, different things that either I've tried or I know works or um, things that have had studies done on them of ways that you can actually regulate your nervous system. So I'm really hoping that you're loving this series so far and that it is going to continue to benefit you in a really impactful way. So there is um, this I don't even know how to describe him. He's just absolutely wonderful. And I'm going to talk about a couple of the resources that he offers at the end of this episode. But his name is Dr. Gabor Matei. He was a baby during the Holocaust. He is um, a Jewish baby during the Holocaust. And he talks a lot about how trauma affects the body and the brain. And he talks a lot from the lens of addiction. But, I mean, it's his work is absolutely outstanding. So um, he has a quote that says, When you shut down emotion... You're also affecting your immune system, your nervous system. So the repression of emotion, which is a survival strategy, then becomes a source of psychological illness later on, okay? So how do you know if you are dysregulated, right? Like we're talking about the nervous system, which you know you have a nervous system because everybody does, right? And then I'm talking about this is, you know, like what happens if you have a dysregulated nervous system, Right? But how do you know if you have one? Okay, so let's talk, let's talk about that, right? So when we are calm, brain activity is even and it's driving emotions and body responses. For example, like 
your heart rate will be even and predictable, right? But when you are dysregulated, your thinking, your behavior, your heart rate, and even your breathing can be and can feel erratic. So that doesn't mean that people who are regulated never feel any heightened emotions, right? Like they definitely do. So what happens when someone who has a regulated nervous system, not a, not a nervous system that has just gone off the rails from so much, you know, different traumas or suppressed emotions or trapped energy, right? So everyone goes through things, but when someone goes through a trauma, and again, remember anything that the body decides is a trauma, is a trauma. It's not just these big things like sexual abuse and, um, you know, mental abuse and, and things like that. It can be anything that the body perceives as something that was hard for it. And then if there's no emotional, um, what do I even want to call it? Like there's no resolution, that's when the body traps it as like this trapped emotion that that gets rejected like oh I should not feel that way I'm bad because that happened right and then the body kind of suppresses it and decides that that's bad and you know you can't you're not allowed to feel sad you're not allowed to cry it's you know like don't feel angry like all these suppressed things that like regular humans are supposed to be expressing often um it's normal right being stoic all the time that's not strong that's that's not good. It's strong to be able to feel your emotions and process through them. So when someone goes through something, again, this is why people can go through the same thing. One comes out with trauma and one doesn't is because they process through it. There was a resolution to the emotion. They didn't suppress it. They didn't reject a piece of themselves. But when someone goes through something and there isn't emotional resolution on the other side of it, they suppress it. They reject themselves, a piece of themselves. They, they you know, a, an inner child is created uh, as like a break off of that emotion, holding that core wound of I'm not good enough or I'm not accepted or no one likes me or I'm not safe. And it holds on to that belief until as an adult, you're sitting here doing the work, healing old core wounds that happened when you were like eight or nine, you know? So that being said, people who have a regulated nervous system can still have a memory that's traumatic. Oh, that happened. You know, that was scary. That was sad. That was hard. Right. But what is a normal reaction, and I say normal with, you know, quotes, air quotes, um, because I don't want anyone to think, well, if you don't do this, you're not normal. But, you know, just stick with me with that term. It's just how, you know, science kind of talks about it. It's like, what is a normal reaction? What is a not normal reaction, right? So a normal reaction of you have this memory, your heart rate slightly spikes, your body feels slightly tense, your breathing might get a little bit faster, right? And then it recovers <laughs> because you process through it and your breathing goes back to normal and your heart rate goes back to normal. And when you have someone who has CPTSD, you know, PTSD is when one thing happened and there's like this one very focused trauma. CPTSD is um, when uh, someone went through multiple things and over multiple, like a longer length of time. And there was, it wasn't just sexual abuse. It was also being rejected and it was also having neglect and it was also growing up poor and it was, right, it was just like a lot of different things. So CPTSD is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So a traumatic memory comes up. 
and immediately everything spikes. Body goes into high alert, goes into fight or flight, right? There's this overreaction. The breathing is very erratic. The heart rate is completely erratic and everything's just out of whack. And then it just keeps going. And then the only way they get out, there isn't that recovery period. They're not sitting with their emotions. They're not processing well. They're not, you know, having that emotional resolution that they require. Instead, there's a dissociation. And then they do something to dissociate or their body numbs out or they just distract themselves. You know, reading is really healthy, but excessive reading can be, or just spacing out, watching YouTube videos or just um, drinking, uh, numbing out with drugs, numbing out with shopping, like something, just doing something so they just can get out of their feelings, but without doing it the proper way, right? So if you are dysregulated, the big things that happen, right, will throw you off and it will take you a long time to recover and sometimes not properly, right? But also small things are going to throw you off too. So yes, when, you know, this terrible thing happens at work, you get really thrown off and it takes you a really long time to recover. But also like someone pulling out in front of you in traffic where a regular person with a regulated nervous system is going to be like, oh man, that's annoying. And then just moves on with their day. You might fixate on that. Oh my God, how could they do that? It makes you so angry and you just get so erratic. It's an overreaction, right? So you might feel panic or depression out of nowhere, or your emotions will feel too big for you, or you'll feel, and rather, and you'll feel a flood of like adrenaline in your body, right? Which then causes adrenal fatigue because your body's releasing adrenaline when it shouldn't be. And then your adrenals literally get fatigued, right? Now this is a fight or flight response. Um, Other ways of feeling or knowing that you are having, you are, you have a dysregulated nervous system is you might feel numb. You might be clumsy. Like, are you constantly dropping things or tripping over things? You're just feeling like you're not stable. Um, your memory might have issues. You might feel scatterbrained and things like that. So when you are like this, it's really hard to be in reality properly. It's hard to decipher you know, what is happening, who is safe, what is real danger, right? And this can actually cause you to like say mean things without thinking or leave your coffee on the top of your car and drive off or fly off the handle about something that really wasn't that big of a deal, but it felt like a big deal in your body or it will cause you to binge eat. It will cause you to give up on something and quit on it. It will cause you to get really angry at, you know, a friend or a family member or, You'll lose your, you know, your phone, constantly losing your phone, you know. Um, you might trust people you shouldn't of and say, you know, get vulnerable with them when it, that wasn't the right person to get vulnerable with, right, et cetera. So because our good judgment skills are failing us in the moment and you may find yourself doing this again and again, unfortunately, because when you have a dysregulated nervous system, you're not exactly like learning from the mistakes and it kind of keeps repeating itself, which keeps you stuck in that cycle, which is why it's really important that we learn what I'm going to be talking about in episode four so that you can either stop the dysregulation, heal the dysregulation, um, you know, in the moment, realize and be aware, feel your feelings, sit with your feelings, not be so afraid of the big feelings. And then everything starts to just get easier to manage. And you start to be able to have degrees of separation between you and and the 
dissociative parts, so to speak. Um, that's really when you can heal. So we'll talk about that in episode four. But once you are dysregulated, it can take either minutes, it can take hours, or it can even take days for your brain to then re-regulate. So you pick up coping skills along the way because you have to live your life, right? <laughs> and you might be in a relationship, you might be raising kids, you might be in school, you might have a job, like you have things going on. And even though you're totally dissociated and you're completely dysregulated, it you want to try to push yourself to re-regulate because like you can't keep living your life in a way that's dysregulated. You know something's off. You might not be able to put the wording to it. You might be hearing me talk about this and you're like, oh, okay, that's what that is, right? So you're using your coping skills and while they're not correct and they're not helping you and they're keeping you in that trauma cycle and they're not exactly like healthy, like binging isn't healthy for you, right? Um, Having a shopping addiction isn't healthy for you. Drinking wine every night well, oh, well, red wine, right, is so good for your heart health. Yeah, but dissociating with red wine so you don't have to feel your feelings is not good, right? But in the moment, it's momentarily effective, right? Because it kind of brings you back to where you can then continue doing what you need to do, even if it's just like pushing through in the moment. So like, for example, when you binge on carbs, that gives you dopamine, right? Um, When you smoke or you do drugs or you drink or you do high adrenaline activities, did I say high adrenaline activities? I don't even know what I said. High adrenaline activities like speeding in your car, going on a roller coaster, having sex or over shopping, buying something expensive, doing something elaborate. Like in the moment, that's going to give you a dopamine hit and it helps you like feel better. But that might feel like proper coping skills. In reality, it's destructive right? Because the problem is, is that a dysregulation impacts our ability to be present. It impacts our ability to be responsible and it impacts our ability to properly connect with others and it impacts our ability to properly connect with ourselves. And this leads, leaves us vulnerable to more self-destructive behaviors. And in the long run, the possibility of honestly creating more trauma, right? So I'm going to break this down into three levels of dysregulation and dissociation, so to speak. So this is the polyvagal theory. Um, you can Google it. It was, it's, they use it a lot in this kind of like trauma therapy. So they'll kind of ask you like, where are you now? Are you ventral? Are you sympathetic? Are you dorsal? Right? So that, those are the three levels. There's the ventral vagal, the sympathetic, and the dorsal vagal. Now, ventral vagal is really where you want to be. And it is normal to move you know, from ventral to sympathetic throughout the day and then from sympathetic back up to vagal, so, to ventral, sorry. And um, you know, no one is at one, one place or one emotion throughout the day. Like things happen, you know, you're having a great day, you go to work, you're feeling ventral and then something happens at work and you, you move down to sympathetic and then you have the proper coping skills. Hopefully and you're able to move yourself back up to ventral, but it's, it's normal to have varying emotions throughout the day. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to suppress the normal human experience. We're just trying to say that where you feel calm and most like yourself and most connected to yourself is really where you would want to live the majority of your life. But things are going to happen. Stuff is going to happen. And the faster you can recover, the less dysregulated you would be. Okay? So ventral vagal is going to feel calm and grounded. Um, You're going to feel like you can properly communicate with people. You're connected with your body, you're connected with others, you feel stable, you have 
steady breath, right? Like you're happy and not necessarily happy because I remember like, am I supposed to always be striving for happy? And my therapist was like, no, you're, you're not trying to, you're not striving to be happy. Ventral is not necessarily happy. You might feel happy and ventral, but you might feel calm. You might feel, you might feel focused. You might feel grounded. You might have a lot going on. You might you know, have to be balancing several things at once, but you feel like you can take care of it. So it's not necessarily like only happy. It just means you're not the other emotions that we'll describe now. So sympathetic is going to be where you're feeling anxious. You're, you're, you're not fully dysregulated, you're not dissociated, but you're getting there, okay? And you're, you know, you're irritated, you have an increased heart rate, hyperarousal, you're in flight or fight, um, you're not totally dissociated though, but you're kind of aggressive, a little bit disorganized. You have a headache. You're you're stuck in a worry, anxious cycle, right? You're feeling defensive. You're feeling overwhelmed. So these are like you know things that can happen. You're, you're running from work that was you're running late, and and then there's traffic, and you have to get to to carpool to pick up the kids, and and then you know your 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 partner's calling you saying that dinner burned, like. You're definitely not in ventral when all that is happening, but you're not all the way in dorsal either because dorsal is where it's like the deep dark, I like to call it. So dorsal is when you're just totally numb. You're spaced out. You feel helpless. You're, you're starting to isolate. You're shut down. You're frozen, right? You're in freeze and fawn. Um, you're non-expressive. You're exhausted. You're dissociated or you're dissociating, doing dissociative behaviors. You're emotionally constricted. So you're not properly communicating this to either yourself or to people around you you're numbing right and an autoimmune disease is generally a dorsal vagal response right someone who lived in dorsal vagal who got all the way down to helplessness and then the autoimmune disease was activated so to speak so I would say that can you go from ventral to sympathetic to dorsal and then back up to ventral throughout one day yeah but I would also venture to guess that once someone makes it down into dorsal, generally they're kind of sticking around there for a little bit more of an extended amount of time, whether it be hours or days. Um, it's, not a, it's not a pleasant place to be. I have definitely been there. Um, and I would say like when someone's depressed or super, super anxious, they're most likely down in dorsal. But I would say that people can be sympathetic up to ventral, down to sympathetic. Like I would say people probably move more throughout the first two. But, you know, there's lots of people that get into dorsal and you might recognize it and you're like, yeah, I, t- I totally do that. You know, a lot of us have been there. I know the pain. So if dorsal leads to auto an autoimmune response. So for those of you that either have an autoimmune disease, know people that have an autoimmune disease, are guessing you might have an autoimmune disease, like this is definitely for you. So autoimmunity doesn't come from the trauma, right? It, like, if it comes from, like, a response that your body chose to go into as a result of the trauma, right? So so let me help you understand that. Meaning, people can go through trauma and not then come out with an autoimmune disease. <laughs> Plenty of people do, right? But if someone already had a dysregulated nervous system from other things that happened, right? Like what state was your nervous system in when the trauma occurred? That's very important, right? And if someone is like so used to getting stuck into dorsal, then the response that your body chose as a result of the trauma was then an autoimmune disease. And that's why some people, like two people can go through the same thing 
one's totally fine and one has Hashimoto's, right? So that's very important to know because I think, you know, as I tell you some of these studies that show that like you're at a higher risk for an autoimmune disease when you go through a lot of stress or a trauma, it, that's not everybody. You know, some people had the right coping skills. Some people had the right people around them. Some people were able to go through something and then go to someone and say, hey, I, this, is how, this is what happened. This is how I'm feeling. You know, the, the emotions didn't get stuck. They had the correct emotional resolution. So your autoimmunity isn't like, oh, you had trauma? Great, here it is, right? But it's coming from which response did your body choose to go into as a result of the trauma? And if it chose to feel safe and stay in, in ventral, then you're cool, right? But if your, immune, if your um, nervous system was already dysregulated and then it was just like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing, that is where, you know, that person's going to go down that fork in the road, so to speak, and have Hashimoto's, right? So there was a study done in Sweden from 1981 to 2013 with 106,464 patients in the study. And the result of this study, I'm not going to get into all the, like, the details and intricacies of it, but the result of this study showed that stress and trauma was significantly associated with an increased risk of developing an autoimmune disease. Um, there was also, uh, a study done from 1982 to 1992 with Jania and Ronald Glazer, and they studied stress in particularly in medical students. So people who were in medical school and very, very interesting. They saw that stress compromised their immune system. Um, these people had fewer natural killer cells that these are the killer cells that fight viruses. Um, they stopped producing immunity-boosting gamma inter, interferon, interferon, interferon. I don't know how to pronounce that properly. Um, and their T cells had a weak response to stimulation. It's like, it's literally science. It's literally like you can't argue with like literally what came out in this in this study was like in their blood. They could see that the things that you need to be happening to fight off infection or disease or autoimmunity was not happening when these people were under a significant amount of stress. Also, remember, not sleeping well and all that, right? Um, and then there was actually a really recent study done in 2020, which, by the way, I think 2020 like dysregulated, dysregulated all of us. And some people recovered better than others. Some people still haven't recovered. Like, it's really sad, honestly. Um, and this study done in 2020 found that people with PTSD have a higher risk of developing an autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, Hashimoto's, MS, lupus, type 1 diabetes, IBS, Graves, like you name it, it's there. And this study showed that as well. Again, I'm not going to get into the intricacies of the numbers and all that, but you know, when I was doing research and reading this, it was just like glaringly obvious that like this is not, you can't ignore this. You know, it's really important that if you're going through a stressful time that you support yourself properly so that your body doesn't turn on you, so to speak, right? So it's important to know that the body and the mind are one. Right? They're not separate from each other. And that's why if you have like substance abuse, mental illness, an eating disorder, an autoimmune disease, like any of these types of things that just treating the physical body is a major, major miss. It really bothers me when people go to rehab and I've never been to rehab, but I have had people that were close to me go to rehab. And from what I'm understanding, the experience in rehab is very, 
yes, there's some therapy for sure. A lot of it's focused on like just like detox. And then there's a lot of like take responsibility and like AA and the steps. And I don't want to downplay that because I know it's helped a lot of people. But I've never heard someone in like substance abuse recovery or like people who are counselors in these, you know, rehabs talking about the nervous system. Like I've never, not once. They do talk about trauma. They understand that there's a place that trauma plays in this, but it really bothers me. I, I, I could get into that maybe fully in another episode because I have a lot to talk about, particularly with that. But it really bothers me that like when someone goes to the doctor, let's say, and they get diagnosed with MS, no one's ever saying like, what happened to you? <laughs> like, tell me about your childhood, you know? Um, it's just, here's this meds and it's probably gonna get worse. Um, and eating disorders, yes, again, like there is some trauma healing there, but not in a way that's focused on the nervous system. I, I've, I've never seen someone going healing from an eating disorder be taught how to regulate their nervous system. Now, again, I'm, I've never been in that facility, thank goodness. So I can't say for certain. All I know is what I know. If you had that experience, like I'm really happy that there are some places that are more progressive than others. But I do find that this is a major, major miss because the nervous system and the trauma must be addressed and the stuck energy must be moved to show the body and the mind that you are safe and you're not in danger anymore. And if you don't do that, this is where relapses come in. This is why people suffer for literally the rest of their lives with this stuff because the energy, the stuck energy was literally never moved. And these doctors don't know about it. A lot of therapists don't know about it. It's, it's really crazy. Like, you'll see when you're looking for a therapist, you'll see there's like therapists and then there's trauma-informed therapists. And I'm like, how can you be a therapist and not be a trauma-informed therapist? I think every teacher should be trauma-informed. I think every every police officer should be trauma-informed. I think every doctor should be trauma-informed. It's It plays such a massive part in people's behaviors, in people's physiolo- physiology, in people's mental health. Like, I don't see how we shouldn't all be trauma-informed. <laughs> like... Seems pretty obvious to me, but not to society, I guess. But trauma physically causes inflammation, okay? It causes the microbiome to get out of balance, causing leaky gut, where if you don't know what leaky gut is, it's when toxins, like the literally the gut lining is thinned and toxins then from your gut, which is supposed to be, you know, put through the small intestine, colon, and out of your body. Instead, it enters the bloodstream, and that sets off an, an immune response. There's toxins in the body. Holy shit. Like we need to respond. And your body doesn't know, you know, um, all it knows is, hey, you have toxins in my body now, right? So if trauma literally affects the microbiome, which affects the gut, which causes leaky gut, which causes toxins to be put into the blood, then healing your trauma can heal your microbiome seems pretty obvious that that's something people should be focusing on, right? But instead we're like, oh, like you have an eating disorder? Like let's give you a bunch of shit to eat, which then just causes inflammation again. I don't know. I'm not up on my high horse at all, guys. Like I'm really just talking from experience with certain things and maybe one day I'll get into the intricacies of that. Maybe I won't. I'm not sure how brave I feel. Um, But I'm obviously talking about this stuff because it affects my daily life other than just Hashimoto's, right? And like I have leaky gut clearly something happened there that caused my microbiome to go out of whack, right? So what caused your microbiome to go out of whack? Like if you have Crohn's or you have IBS and you have major gut issues, like I just want you to know, like there's something going on mentally inside your body that caused this inflammation to happen. And I really, I encourage you not to ignore it. 
um, trauma has been proven to increase cortisol, right? Because that's like your stress hormone. And the immune system is very sensitive to stress. So if you're in fight or flight and constantly releasing cortisol, this is going to obviously lead to high inflammation and immune system impairment, right? And this systemic inflammation causes cancer and autoimmune diseases and all sorts of other stuff. And I don't think people want to hear that because if trauma is causing inflammation, that's causing things like cancer, then treating things like cancer with just the medicinal side is probably not enough. And I know that scares people to hear, but healing trauma is probably a really good way to get your body back into the equilibrium that it needs to be in in order to prevent things from getting worse happening in the first place or relapsing. I'm just going to leave that at that. So I'm going to end off with this. I told you about Dr. Gabor Mate in the beginning of this episode. So he um, has a book called When the Body Says No. If you're open to exploring this more, I would absolutely suggest that book. He also has a documentary called The Wisdom of Trauma. If you go to thewisdomoftrauma.com and you donate, I think like 10 bucks or something, you get access to it. And it is the most outstanding work of art that I have seen in a really, really long time. He did such a good job talking about how trauma affects the body. He has such a soothing voice. And the way he talks about it just makes so much sense. And it was like a game changer for me. Um, And there's also two other books if you want I mentioned this one in the first episode. It's called The Body Keeps the Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And then there's also How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And they're both really amazing resources um, for more information about this and how the body works and how this manifests and how inflammation is something you really want to keep an eye on. And if you are finding yourself stuck, whether it be in relationships or with your weight or with your habits or with your thought process or with your mental health and what you're currently doing isn't playing out the way you desire and you're ignoring what happened to you and not just you, but what happened in your family. Transgenerational trauma is a big thing. And where did this all come from? And asking those questions and then diving into it and starting to heal your inner children and your core wounds and feeling your feelings and not suppressing them all, lowering your inflammation, practicing mindfulness and meditation and journaling and get moving the emotion, not letting it get stuck, feeling it. It is okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to even feel angry. I was talking to my father earlier today about how it really genuinely bothers me that in the community that I'm in, for those of you that you know don't know, I am Jewish and I grew up in a very, very religious community. I wouldn't say that I'm um, you know, in that particular community anymore. I definitely identify as Jewish and I definitely am practicing, um, but in my way and in a way that suits, you know, our non-traumatizing <laughs> environment in my home. So definitely like we don't do the whole, well, God's going to be angry at you. Like I don't allow that bullshit in my house at all. And that was very much like in the schools I went to, like, why do you do these things? Well, cause otherwise you're going to burn in hell. And I'm like, mm, that's such a really traumatizing inflammatory response kind of thing to say to children that do these things so that you don't burn in hell. How about 
we don't talk like that, you know? So however you're raising your kids or living your life is up to you, but that's just not how I roll. It's not how I, it's, it's not the belief I'm trying to in, imprint on people. So that being said, one of the things that's pretty prominent in the Jewish community is when something that we perceive as bad happens, one of the first things they say is like, in Hebrew, it's gamzulatova, which is, this should be for the good. Um, or, you know, it's what God wanted, or it should all be for the best, or did I already say that? Yeah, in a different way. Um, or they'll say like, well, like when someone dies, well, they're in a better place, or, you know, we just don't understand, and they really, really downplay human emotion. I might make some of you angry as I say this because you might feel really close to whatever relationship you have with God or your perception of religion, and that's okay. I'm not trying to challenge that. I'm just trying to help you understand that in the Bible that I grew up reading, right, in the Torah that I grew up reading, I remember people challenging God about things like like Yaakov, Jacob, right, when his son Joseph, Yosef, was taken from him and well his brother sold him off right and he's living in Egypt and he's, he didn't know where he was he didn't know where his son was I remember reading how angry he was how he never got over it he was mourning him for years and years and years right until they were reunited and I find that to be a lot more normal than some of the things that I see and if you're my friend who's listening to this like just know I love you um, and I'm not going to say your name on here, but I had a friend who had a family member go through a really big tragedy um, where there was someone who lost a baby. And you, those are the only details I'm going to give because this is not my place to say the rest of the story. But I remember her telling me, like, we just don't understand what God does, you know, and it, I could be wrong. My perception of the situation was that she was suppressing these really big, angry, dark, horrible feelings, which would be very, very normal to feel when someone in your family loses a baby. And that's trauma. (laughs) And what makes it worse is when you stick those feelings so far deep that you're like, well, this is what God wanted. Um, No, fuck that. I don't have to understand what he wanted. I don't have to believe that if I don't want to. I don't have to accept it. I don't have to say this was for the good. I don't have to say that we just don't understand. I don't have to make this better at all. I'm not going to spin this in a way that I don't have, that I'm not allowed to feel my big, terrible, horrible feelings, which is I'm angry and I'm sad and I, I don't know what to do and I'm feeling lost and I'm feeling out of control or I'm feeling like this sucks, this is not fair, this is right. Like, what are you feeling? But I feel like a lot of times people write off those human emotions and those feelings by like, well, this is what God wanted. Well, I don't care. (laughs) Like, I remember when we were sitting Shiva for my brother. If you don't know, my brother died when he was 24 in um, 2017. And we as Jews sit Shiva, which is seven days of mourning where you're in the home, you're sitting low and you're actively mourning and people come to visit. And kind of like what you would do like after the funeral where everyone comes to visit and see you, but we do that for seven days. And it's supposed to be very healing and very like everyone's surrounding you with like they say, you know, like talk about the, the one who died and it's supposed to just be very comforting, okay? And someone came and a lot of times people don't know what to say when someone dies or when there's big feelings because we're so, people are so conditioned to hide their feelings, shut it down, push it down, right? Like society has made us like this, especially men, like be strong, don't show emotion, you know? And this guy says, well, he's in a better place. 
And my father looked up at him and he's like, I would much rather he be here with me. And I don't think that there is somewhere, if you're religious, I don't think that there's anywhere that your religion commands you to not feel your emotions. I don't think there's anywhere in your religion that tells you that you have to just be like, well, this is what God wanted. Like, I think people took that and ran with it to a place where it's not supposed to be. This is my personal opinion. I think people have like over-dramatized this part of their religion where you are allowed to be angry. I encourage you to have your emotions. I encourage you to feel it. I encourage you to sit with it. I encourage you to cry. I encourage, I encourage you to feel sad. If you stuff it down under the cover and the oasis of, well, this is what God wanted, you're never letting yourself just be. So like I posted, like after my brother died, I was like, I do not forgive this. (laughs) I am angry. I'm sad, right? There's like multiple ways that you get through grief and, you know, you're sad, then you're angry, then you're numb, then you don't accept it, then you do accept it, then you're mad, then you're horrified, right? There's so many emotions that come along with it. And in my angry stage, I was like, I don't forgive you. Like, how dare you do this, you know? not my brother, to whatever higher being there is. Um, I don't want to get into that discussion um, because I have lots of different kinds of people that follow me and I have zero, like, I just, I don't care enough to, like, you know, say one way or the other. Whatever you believe is the higher being, like, I was angry AF at him. And I don't see a single issue with that. And I know I triggered people with it because they're like, well, we can't, you know, we're not supposed to, we shouldn't. Um, no, I'm a human, human being. This really terrible thing happened to me and I'm going to process this. I'm going to process it out loud. I'm going to process it however I feel. And if I'm angry, I'm angry. And if I'm sad, I'm going to be sad. And I will not allow you and your belief of whatever we're supposed to be stop me from processing it. And I think that that is why a lot of people who have this reaction to trauma and pain of like well we just don't know why this happened and it should all be for the best and that is really if it's helping you and it gives you that floating device to stay above water so to speak then great I'm not taking it away from you but I'm saying pair it with feeling your feelings believing that it was all for the best or believing that they're in a better place does not diminish the fact that you are in pain right now you went through something terrible right now you know? Um, and to be very honest, like me, like I was sexually abused at 16. I'm, I'm never going to be like, well, this is what God wanted. Fuck that. No, I did not deserve that. I should not have had to go through that. And now I have to process it. So no, I'm not going to say, well, well, it had to have happened. No, No, I didn't deserve that. My little 16-year-old self didn't deserve that. I deserved better. And I'm allowed to feel that way. And that doesn't diminish how you want to feel about the universe or where we come from or who's in charge. I think that makes us human. And we have to stop being like, you know, I have friends who used to be Christian and they're like, you know, you have got to be godlike, godly. What would Jesus do kind of thing? And, And if that helps you, great. Like Again, I would never take that away from you and I would never be... Uh, it's not my place and I have no desire to. But what I will say is if that's making you not process your emotion, not feel human and having you get stuck with pain and trauma and all that stuff, like you are doing yourself a disservice. And 
I think that that's why I find a lot of religious people who are very much hurting. Like there's someone who comes to mind. She's so quote unquote devout, right? In the Christian community. And I know she has an autoimmune disease. She's never said anything about it, but she told me a lot of her symptoms that she was having already like years back. I'm positive she has an autoimmune disease. Um, she has had family members who were sexually abused. She doesn't think she was ever sexually abused, but that can affect you also, by the way. She never processed and everything was just like, you know, give it to God and all this stuff. And while, you know, I'm sure some of you find that to be really respectable and great, and I'm not diminishing that at all. All I'm saying is like, if you didn't then process it like a human being and you just kept trying to be godly, like you're really hurting yourself. (laughs) Maybe do both. I don't know. For me, all I'm saying is that this is just from my opinion, having grown up in a really religious community. I've seen a lot of very sick people in the community. And I'm not saying that atheists don't also have sickness. I'm sure tons of atheists have autoimmune diseases. But what I'm saying is I think it's just another layer of the onion where there's this dismissal of feelings. There's this, well, I'm not supposed to be angry at him. This, There's this, well, everything happens for a reason layer. Um, and I, I just want to say that if you've been told that, like, I, I will sit here and hold your pain with you and, and you are seen. And I'm sorry that that happened to you because... Don't let any fancy, cute little quotes make you feel like you that was supposed to happen to you. It wasn't. And do we know? And all, That's not what I'm saying. I'm not presuming to. I'm just saying to that little girl, my little girl sees your little girl or your little boy. And I just want you to know that you didn't deserve to go through that. And I don't want anyone to tell you, well, like that was supposed to happen. Like, no, it hurt. And you were in pain and you were sad or you were angry and you never processed it. And now you're sick. To me, those are the facts. That's all I know right here. And everything else just complicates that. So my little girl is giving your little girl a hug. We'll sit together, can process through it. And we're going to come out stronger on the other side. That much, I absolutely know. So nervous system, inflammation, dysregulation, trauma, a lot of big words. And uh, I invite you to sit with that. Where does it lay in your body? What do you think is the first thing you might want to start working on? Because I think that what we all do deserve is healing. And we all do deserve to feel safe in our bodies. And we all do deserve to be in a place where we feel regulated and our breathing is normalized and our heart rate's okay. I think we all deserve that. Everything else, we'll figure that out another time. All right, stay tuned for the next episode where I talk specifically about the nervous system in relation to binge eating, eating disorders, disordered eating, and then we'll wrap this up with how can you regulate your nervous system and heal your brain. Thank you for listening. I hope that you loved today's episode. Please do the following things. Share this all over your social media. Subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star rating. Till next time.